0: On this series for a couple of weeks now, uh, we started off unpacking this idea of seek and how that is not just a simply, you know, go and look under the rug for whatever you're looking for, but when the Bible uses the word seek, it's talking about a desire, um, a, a craving to see whatever it is you're seeking, whether it's an achievement or it's uh, to find a person. Um, It is not just simply looking, but it is a craving, a desire, a passion that just will not subside until we find it. And so we started off by saying that we are to seek God in that way because God seeks us with that kind of reckless abandon. We looked at the parable of the sheep, how God is like a shepherd who abandons the 99 to go find the one, and we would consider that to be pretty reckless but God uh, seeks us not just when we first got saved but every single day he comes after us with that reckless abandon and so our response as believers is simply to seek God with that same energy that same excitement that same recklessness (coughs) the second week we looked at um Romans 2 which says I think I pulled it up no I didn't uh we looked at Romans 2 um Romans 2.29 says that those with a changed heart will seek the praise of God. Those with a changed heart will seek the praise of God. And we looked at certain situations where God was um, <coughs> praising his people. We looked at Job, and we looked at David. And, and whose praise are you seeking? Are we seeking God's, or are we seeking man's? And we, we extended it by saying, are we seeking our spouse's praise, are we seeking other people's praise? Are we seeking our family's praise? Are we seeking other people's praise? Because there's a hierarchy. We don't go seeking everybody. We we have those that are closest to us. And what does our family think of us? What does our spouse think of us? What does our church think of us? Because these are the priority, these are the important connections that God has put in our life. And last week we had our special guest, Paul Martins, come and he talked about how we need to never stop seeking God for the miraculous. Because God can heal. And I think sometimes we've given up asking. We've stopped seeking the healing that we so desperately need. Or we've given up asking about that relationship that's broken. Or that son or daughter or friend who's wandered away and seems to be too far. And Paul reminded us to never stop seeking. Never stop asking. Never stop praying. Because God can do the miraculous. No matter how hopeless a situation may be, God can do what only God can do, and he can move and do great and amazing things, that situation. So never stop seeking. And this morning, (coughs) we're going to talk about how we as believers should be seeking the lost, seeking those who are far from God, seeking those who maybe don't have a relationship with God. And this all comes from a passage of scripture that if you've been in church for a long time, you probably have this one memorized but it is important to always come back to you. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But verse 19 is where we want us to go. Therefore, go and make disciples. And in order to make disciples, you need to something that is probably painfully obvious, but maybe we forget. We need to actually seek out those who are far from God. We need to be looking for somebody who's not a disciple in order to make disciples, right? I mean, there's the method of we just, you know, make babies. You can just physically make disciples. There's that option, but, um, huh? (laughs) Life hack. Um, but that's not what, that's not the only way God calls us to seek out those who are far from him, to, to see the kingdom come, to see the kingdom expanded, and to be witnesses of the good things that God has done in and through us. <clears throat> and I think part of the problem with this idea of seeking the lost is that the church has been sold this idea that um, Christianity is not about everyone else. It's all about me. It's all about my forgiveness. It's all about my relationship with God. It's all about my devotion time. It's all about it's me, 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 me. And when you go through the New Testament, you read through scripture, you don't get that idea of it's all about me. It's all about the community, right? So in the Old Testament, God never, God was less concerned about saving an individual, but God wanted to see whole families come to, relationship with him. He wanted to see whole clans of families come to relationship with him. In fact, in, the new, in Deuteronomy, he said, I want to see the nations see the relationship I have with Israel, and that all nations would come and be saved through what is happening in Israel. God's plan has always been bigger and broader than just one individual. <laughs> And we need to not forget that, that we are part of this great, grandiose plan to see the world changed, to see the kingdom come, to see it realized in our day. And so Jesus says, go make disciples. And I think this whole individualistic idea has started to influence other areas of our faith. I was reading through and uh, 1 Corinthians 12, a passage that we just read not too long ago about how we are the body and everyone has a part. And 1 Corinthians 12 finishes with this. We are, all, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Are we, do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way that is to show you a way of life that is best of all. (coughs) And then Paul would go into 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. But if you view Christianity as it's all about me and you see that verse, desire the more helpful gifts, some translations probably say, seek the greater gifts, is what it would say. (coughs) What we interpret that then is that we are supposed to seek out these greater gifts, these other gifts as part of our spiritual checklist. Look at me. I'm growing because I have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of speaking in tongues, which is kind of that Pentecostal cornerstone. We talk about that a lot. Well, we don't because we don't talk. Anyways, as Pentecostals, it's kind of a big part of what is in our statement of faith, which we're talking about on Sunday or on Wednesday. Um, But there's this perception that something must be wrong if I don't have these gifts. I've listened to pastors talk about how they were raised in a church that emphasized the need to speak in tongues or to speak prophetic things, and because they didn't, they felt like something was wrong with them. Well, these gifts aren't all about you, and it's not all about me. It's all about how they are used in the setting of the church, and more importantly, the setting of ministry we don't just get these gifts for to check the box and be like hey look at me but we get the gift of healing because we have people in our community who need to see the the power of god expressed in their life We have people in our community who need healing and so we take the gift not just be hey look at me i can heal people but hey i see that you're hurting can i can i speak healing into your life we're coming to people who are hurting and lost and they need <coughs> a word from God. That's where the gift of prophecy comes in because you can speak into things that you don't have any former knowledge of. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. These are these gifts are not designed for all about me. They're designed to make us effective in our ministry. You don't have to be able to speak in tongues to have a flourishing prayer life. Guess what? You can have a flourishing prayer life speaking English. It's not necessary. That gift is necessary when you are using. Context that God has put you in. <coughs> it's not all about me. It's all about reaching out. It's all about that whole idea, because the k- Great Commission, these last words Jesus gave the disciples were not just for the disciples, it's for each and every one of us who called Jesus our Lord and Savior, and the, the heartbeat of the church, the mission of the church, the purpose of every single person after salvation is this, go make disciples, and that all sounds fine and dandy, but then I'm sure all of us have heard this story, have heard the message like this before, and you're like, <laughs> but how do I do that? Right. If I cut it off now and be like, go make disciples. <laughs> Good luck. You know, everyone's like, I ain't doing that because I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I not feel comfortable. <clears throat> and so this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to give you what I say are four of the more practical tips when it comes to sharing your faith. And what it ultimately comes down to is just a willingness to be willing to be used right? It's just a willingness that when the opportunity comes, you're not going to make it weird, like, hmm, let me tell you about, like, no, like, you make it It's increasing our comfort so that it doesn't feel weird when we talk about our faith. It's about increasing our relationship with people so that we have the trust and we have the permission to speak these things into people's lives. Because if you just stand on the soapbox, which, you know, there's lots of YouTube videos of that, stand on the soapbox and declare that everyone's going to hell, guess what? That doesn't work very good. What's more effective is that we have those friendships, we have those connections that God has given us, and so we connect with those people, we have that trust, we have that permission to speak these things, and so we speak life, and we speak from our experience. <coughs> Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. <coughs> um... So, four things, Uh, so what I want you to do, um, if you have the app or you have a note app on your phone, you write these down, I was going to give you recipe cards, but we used them all up for Darren's thing, so I don't know where the recipe cards went. Um, If you want, you can write it on the back of the paper, you can share the paper. Um, Jamie knows where the recipe cards are, or maybe, perfect. Uh, But I'll give you the four practical things that uh, it's all on the app. If you have our church app, um, you can follow along. Uh, Number one, if we are going to be effective in making disciples, it all starts with prayer. Because we cannot do anything apart from our Heavenly Father. We cannot, as Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, you can't bear fruit apart from me. So we want to be effective disciple makers we need to be praying and what are we praying about well first and foremost we need to make sure our relationship with god is flourishing we need to make sure our relationship with god is in a good spot because the more that we are connected with god and the more that we see god at work in our life the more the easier it is for us to share what god is doing so we need to be praying we also need to be praying god who is it that you need me to share with? Who is the person that I need to reach out to in this time? Who's struggling right now that I can speak life into? God, you know my friends. You know my co-workers. You know everything that's going on in everyone's life, so God, tell me who it is I need to connect with, I need to share with, and then pray for those opportunities, and and make the opportunities, right? So once God gives you a name, and he always does, then be ready to invite them out for a coffee or, or when you see them at work and wait for that opportunity. But always start with prayer. Holy Spirit, show me who it is I need to be connecting with and, and give me the confidence, give me the words. Jesus said that we don't have to worry about those times we need to testify because the Spirit in you is going to give you the words to say. And Peter says, just be ready. Be ready to give an account of what God is doing in your life. So number one, pray. Number two, make sure you're staying in God's word. Make sure that you're you're reading God's word. It's amazing how often the Holy Spirit will bring scripture to mind um, (coughs) in those times when you need it the most. Whether you're sharing with somebody and whatever they're going through, and it's like, oh, you know what? I was just reading this in my Bible. I think it would really help. I think it would really apply. Or even for yourself. (coughs) For some reason, God keeps bringing up the verse for me, uh, the one in James 1 that says, uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That verse has got me out of a lot of jams, because uh, I can be short-tempered sometimes, and that whole take a breath, listen to what they're actually saying, not just the attack that may be happening at the time. Listen to what's going on. But we don't get those scriptures. We don't have those moments if we're not in God's word. And my encouragement for you is that if you don't read God's God's word regularly, don't pick a scripture plan that's too much for you and just power through it for the sake of powering through it, but read through it slowly and meditatively so that it gets into your heart and your mind. Something that I like to do is that if I'm going through a reading plan, if I read a chapter of scripture, I'll read through it twice. Because the first time is I am just need to get through this, and the second time is where the things pop out, and the things start to resonate, and that's the stuff that I start to chew on throughout the day. So, and you got to figure out what works for you, but just... Make sure you're in the scripture and not just reading it for the sake of reading it, but reading it to get that spiritual nourishment into your life so that when you need it the most, it's there. Number three, and this is where those nice little books that are on your table come in. So these, you have what is the Gospel of John on your table. There's a couple options. Um, What I encourage what I've been taught to do and encouraged to do is to always have one on your person and the Gospel of John is one of those really important passages in one of those important books in Scripture because it lays out who Jesus is that Jesus was God that Jesus has had this plan that you need to be born again that you need to find your hope in Christ and Christ alone and so <sighs> What we need to get in the habit of doing is just carrying it with you so that in those times where people need that little bit of encouragement, they need that little bit of pick-me-up, you actually have something to give them. So ladies, put it in your purse or whatever you got, and then every time it gets in the way when you're digging through something, and you're like, mm, right, i got to hand this thing out so it's not in my way anymore. Guys, put it on the truck, put it on the dash. Um, I found these... So these ones on the table are from the Gideons, and they give us hundreds of these every year. So if you give one out, and you're like, oh, I already did it, guess what? I have more. You can can just keep handing them out. But this one came from another group, and is literally called the Pocket Testament, because you know where it fits really well? Your back pocket. And I used to carry one of these in my back pocket all the time, same thing, get out of my way, I need my wallet, but it was always there. It was always something that I could give someone in a jam, and just be like, hey, I don't know if you're someone who reads, I don't know if this is something that you want to do, but people don't turn down free stuff very often, right? They don't turn down a gift very often, and so if you have it, and it's available, and you can grab it really quick, then you're more prone to hand this out. Um, so carry, carry something like this with you, carry it with you wherever you go, and with the idea that this isn't just for me, you know, this is for the person that I'm going to hand it out to. So everyone, there's six on every table, so however many people are at your table, I expect that many to be gone. Um, if you take more, cool, I just expect you to hand them out, that's all, they're not for you, they're for the people God puts on your heart to reach out to. Um... So carry a gospel with you. And number four, <clears throat> share your story. And this is the part that I think people often get hung up on, is this idea of testifying, witnessing what God has done, And because it, we feel like it has to be this great, elaborate story that we need to tell them. Um, my favorite account of someone testifying about Jesus comes from John chapter 9, verse 25. Jesus healed a blind man. Here's his testimony. I know this. I was blind, and now I see. There's a before Jesus and after Jesus. Before Jesus, I was blind, and now I see. Simple, to the point, but it, this is what it, we mean when we talk about testifying what God has done in your life. Your story has two parts. There's a before Jesus, and there's an after Jesus. And you just need to share it with whoever is willing to, be, to hear it. Right? So, and, and it hits, and it could be situational. Right? I was thinking about an example from my own life. When I was young, I used to really struggle with depression. I was a depressed little dude. I would often wake up hoping that today would be the last day. That's how down and out I used to be. And some of you maybe remember when I was a youth pastor, I preached about it. I preached about my struggle. I preached about how um, there were a lot of days where I just couldn't get through it. And then Jesus came in my life, and like some things, you hold on to things, right? There's a comfort in these things, even though they're destructive, even though they hurt. And this depression was the same thing. It was destructive, it hurt, but for some reason I wanted to hold on to it. And finally one day I was just like, Jesus, you need to take this away. I'll be honest, I haven't struggled with depression since because Jesus does great, amazing things and he has filled me with his love, his joy, his purpose, and I haven't struggled with depression since. That was it. That's it, right? So someone who is struggling with that with depression, I can share that and be like, this is what Jesus can do, and each of us has that story, each of us has that thing that we can share where this is life before Jesus, Jesus came into that situation, and this is life after, and some of your stories may be that maybe you're not fully healed of it, but it's easier because God is walking with you through it, you know, there's lots of people I know that struggle with anxiety, and there was this debilitating i can 't get out of bed anxiety I used to feel then I invited Jesus into this situation, I still get anxious, but i'm not it 's not as bad because I know that god 's with me he 's walking with me he 's walking through it with me <clears throat> and it's it 's okay, and I know i 'm getting better because God can because this is something that only God can do, so when we share it doesn 't have to be your whole story it doesn 't have to take you. 15 minutes to get through or, you know, get popcorn because we're going to be here an hour. No, we testify, and, and those testimonies can be small little things. What's God doing in your life today? What has God taught you today? What is something that's come out from his word or from your prayer time, or how are you seeing God at work? This is all testimony. This is all you witnessing what God is doing, and I think often what has happened is we forget to be looking for those things. We forget to be watching for the way God is moving. We forget to watch for those ways that God is at work. And as a consequence, we have a tough time witnessing about it. (coughs) As a believer, as a disciple, you're in the same spot as those first apostles who were there when Jesus ascended. And so Jesus gives you the same commission he gave us, or he gave them. Go, and make disciples and all and so this morning as you work through the questions and as you work through I'm inviting you to pray I'm inviting you to share a little bit these questions might be a little bit more outside your comfort zone but as you share what's going on in your life the idea is that you make it more and more comfortable right if you can't share what God's doing in your life in the setting of the church that's a problem This should be the one place that it's the easiest. But the more we do it, the more we practice it, the more it becomes more comfortable outside. And I think part of the problem why we don't testify that often is it's not something we regularly do and it feels unnatural. So do it more. One of the things I was thinking about is you can practice on your family, right? You get home and you sit down for lunch or you're sitting down for a coffee with your spouse or whatever and you sit down and you're like, you know what? I saw God in this way today you know and it could be something silly like God opened up a parking spot when I needed a parking spot to go get groceries or it could be something big like God spoke to me you know I was just having a tough time and I turned on the radio and God spoke to me through the song that played it could be just something little like that but it's that idea of getting into the habit of it getting more comfortable with it so that it's almost unnatural to not be looking for the way God is moving in your life <clears throat> so, you have your questions, I'm going to pray for us, so that the online, you guys can tune out if you have to, um, but I invite everyone to stick around, work through the questions, discuss at your table, um, yeah, there's no rush, If you've got to go, you can go, but uh, let me pray for us, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given us this great purpose, that you have this plan for our communities, and for our world, and for our families, God, to to testify, and to, to make disciples, Lord, so God, I pray that for a heart that wants to seek out those who are far from you, God, give us a heart that is willing to ask that question, God, who do you want me to reach out to today, and how do you want me to do it, you need text, or a coffee, or or how, how do I How do i reach out how do i start this process of inviting somebody into this life-giving relationship that's found in you and you alone and so god help us to know where you're leading us guide us in the steps that we need to take god grow a comfort in talking about the ways that you are moving and have moved in our life that our relationship and our faith and our trust in you would continue to grow more and more Because this is the great commission. This is the great purpose. This is the heartbeat of the church. To go and make disciples of our communities, of our province, of our nation, and of the nations of the world. God, give us a heart for that. gives a passion for that. And we know that it's not about changing whole communities. It's changing one person at a time. So God, give us that one person. Show us who it is that we can speak life into and give us the confidence, the willingness to be used by you to do just that. <clears throat> Jesus, we love you. Thank you that we, go, we don't do these things alone, that you walk with us, that you've given us the gifts and the abilities we need to do it well. And so God, may we trust the strength, may we trust the spirit dwelling within us to do what only you can do in and through us. We pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.